quality does come into it, though, because when you consider the first cup of coffee out of that big pot you make may be great, but two hours later, yeah. after it's had time to evaporate and sit on the and burn, burn yeah. yeah, then uh, then you got a problem. So this is more consistently one cup. You get that first cup every time, I guess. You can see it that way. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and this is Coffee 101, your one-stop shop for everything that you need to know about coffee. And when I say everything, you're going to see the everything in this episode. Because honestly, we don't talk about stuff like K-Cups much in the specialty coffee realm, unless it's honestly in a you know condescending way. But at Humble Coffee, we want to, what I call, meet people where they are. And we also want to always say that if you like your coffee, then thumbs up. And we're happy that you like it. And so if about, we'll say, a third of people who drink coffee drink it from some kind of single-use pod, um, Within the U.S., that predominantly being uh, Keurig K-Cups, then I think we need to talk about it. What do you think, Katie? Wait, what did you say? I think we need to talk about K-Cups. Oh, yes, I agree. So, do you have experience with K-Cups? Do you have a plus or minus? I've used it one singular time. Oh. And I was a seventh grader. Uh Uh-huh. So that was five years ago. Okay. Six years. I don't know. But um, it was me and my friends. We were on like a school trip at a hotel. And it was just us in the room, which is probably not a good idea. Right. But it was us. And we didn't know what to do with ourselves. So we made Oreo coffee, mm. which is sticking two Oreos in a cup and terrible. using the K-cup to put coffee in the cup. Yeah. And it was really gross. And I've never used one again. So, yeah. Well, so um, any coffee drinker out there, especially if you're in the U.S., has probably used a K-cup at some point. And um, maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Um, You know, what we're going to do in the episode today is kind of do a deep dive um, into K-cups with my good friend Jay, uh, who is a coffee geek like I am and like Stefan Tribble is that y'all have heard on the show several times. Um, but, you know, I was looking around, I, you know, I thought about Katie going to the companies like, because this episode's K-Cups and uh, then the next one is Nespresso, um, to get somebody for the interview. Right. But I just couldn't because I felt like I would not be able to be honest as far as yeah pros and cons and so but i think this is going to be a really popular episode because what we want to do is say okay maybe it doesn't make what we would consider the best cup of coffee but hopefully by the end of this 101ers y'all will be able to see how you can make the best cup of coffee with what you got yeah All right, let's jump into it. This is my interview with my good friend, Jay. All right, Jay, I got you on the show. It's good to be in the studio. Yeah, so, um, you know, I was thinking about, because we have this episode about K-Cups, and we have um, the next episode, um, which is Nespresso, because I wanted to go over all types of ways that people can make coffee at home right and i could not you you can't get past especially in the u.s market um talking about k-cups and when you're looking at the world market especially european you can't get past talking about nespresso right because they both make up such a huge chunk of like at home market so Pretty much if you go to your local grocery and walk down the coffee aisle, it's half amazing. It. Exactly. Half yeah. of it is, is the pods. Um, yeah. Especially in America, the K-Cup pods. 
yeah. are everywhere. Well, and we'll talk about it a little bit in the next episode, but, um, you know, we just got back from Europe uh, and it's very dominant. And I won't, like, give away the thunder of the next episode, but uh, but super interesting to look at the marketing and we'll get into all that kind of stuff. But, but anyway, so with K-Cup and with Nespresso, you know, a lot of times when when we do some of these brewing things, we'll have somebody from the company, you know, come on. Um, like um, we, you know, had when we looked at like the uh, Mocha Master, um, we had somebody from the company come on and, um, you know, stuff like that. Right. Um, I could not, like, I could not bring myself to ask for either of these companies. I mean... Do you, do you blame me or I mean, no? I'm, I'm curious whether they would have even uh, you know, done anything, made, made the time. I mean, yeah, because I feel like I'm a little too nice in that um, I probably would have let them go a little far with their marketing pitch, mm. even if I like disagreed. Right. So that's why I ask you because I know you have a a K cup thing or like a Keurig at home, I have a Keurig at home, and an espresso, and an espresso, and both Let's of see. them are used just about every day. They're on the regular for sure. The K-Cup, the K, the Keurig K-Cup machine every day for sure. Yeah. Uh, the Nespresso, I have kind of a special occasion use for it. But yeah. It just kind of depends on the mood, but I, I, I keep it going. Yeah. Well, and so for the 101ers out there, what we want to do is you'll hear Jay and I say at the beginning and at the end, um, and this this is the mantra of this show. This is the mantra of Humble Coffee is if you like your cup of coffee, then thumbs up, right. period. I mean, like, that's it. And so so what we don't want, we want to be uh, fair and honest on the pros and cons, you know, of, of the technicalities of, of these ways of making coffee, but also hear us say that if you like that cup, mm-hmm. Thumbs up. And I think my coffee station at my house that my wife finally allowed me to build uh, to you know set aside a certain counter from the counter up to the shelves, um, the, the Keurig and the Nespresso are, and my grinder are the, the big machines on the counter. Yeah. But she is perfect. My wife is perfectly happy with her Big Easy Bold every day. Yeah. She really doesn't want anything else, no matter how many gadgets I have. And they are legion. Yeah. Uh, I, I have all the coffee gadgets or a lot of them, and I'll try to use them when I have time. But she's perfectly content with that and really doesn't want to change. Well, and so here's the thing with when you look at specialty coffee and, and what I call meeting people where they are is as like home connoisseurs, as far as we talk about, like, let's do an AeroPress or let's do a Kalita Wave pour over or whatever we're still a minority of like the home coffee brewers. Mm-hmm. Like the vast majority still are going to be uh Keurig or an espresso users, or they're going to be doing a, you know, a full pot. Right. If I had time every morning, just because of my job and commute and everything, there are mornings that I'll make the time to do a pour over or an air press. That's kind of my two go to. But if I don't, then I'm, you know, I can make do, with a Cafe Bustello or something. Yeah. I don't want to know if we're supposed to advertise. But, yeah, no, you but, can say nice. I mean, those are probably the two that we buy the most. And, um, you know, I can enjoy that. Yeah. But, you know, if I'm home on a weekday that I'm off or a weekend, then I'm probably going to take that meditative time to to do the slow process yeah. and, and then sip the cup rather than guzzle on the way to work. Yeah, and get the caffeine. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'll admit, you know, I – and. The 101ers and the umblers out there, you know, may be shocked at this, but, you know, every once in a while I will have a K-Cup. Um, and I've actually, and I did not until recently have a Keurig or an espresso machine at home. But for these two episodes, I thought it prudent to to get them. And, and we'll go into a little bit of the research as far as, like, looking at um, some kind of stats that I got, um, just kind of measuring stuff out. Um, and, um, you know, when I'm like at work, I've said on the show before, a lot of times I'll do a, 
um, like a clever, uh, clever dripper for just a, an afternoon cup of mm-hmm. black coffee. My backup shocker to that is a um, just a straight up K cup of either Dunkin' Donuts, mm-hmm. like their medium, you know, roast, uh-huh. or I will do like a dark. Um, where where I am, it's um it's like the I don't know if it's Folgers, it's like black silk or I've something. I've had that like too. That. I enjoy it. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm a dark roast guy. So I that's why I, I found the big easy bold and then yeah. my wife got into it and so we, we order it yeah by the case. <laughs> yeah. For what it is, I like Cafe Pastello. Um and for a darker roast it is one that, you know, if I was gonna go for that kind of stuff, it's 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 one that, you know, I might go to. Um, see, I have one at work too. So, and, but I'm, and I'm the only one that really drinks coffee at work. So mm-hmm. I bought sort of a mid-level machine for, and it doesn't have all the bells and whistles, but it has cup size and a reservoir. And so that's what I'll do if I need an extra cup at work. Yeah. Just bop that in. Cause I really can't stop what I'm doing to do a pour over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, work, you got to so. keep going. Right. You know, and so, so that's a good point. So with the, and, and this is where like Keurig, grew and we'll go into the history in a second but um is convenience i mean you're giving up quality if we're honest you know um you're giving up quality for convenience but the flip side is the vast majority of coffee drinkers are going to go for that convenience before they go for quality and i think that's a big thing when we're specialty coffee industry people is is we've we've got to like realize that so like you have people like um you know a lot of people are either love or hate Starbucks but but what you have to give Starbucks is they they attempt to start with really high quality beans mm-hmm. you know um and and they have seen that whether it's a K cup or um, we'll have an episode coming up about like uh, instant coffee. Mm-hmm. You know, they've gotten into those markets because, I mean, that's what people drink. Well, I think that says something about the whole Keurig idea is that, well, we'll get into more of this with the history, but it became such a big thing and such a convenience for people that, you know, you can get Starbucks pods and you can get Dunkin' pods and you can get all the big names are making their own pods in partnership, you know, rather than trying to compete. They just said, hey, this is going to be big. Let's join. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so let's let's jump into um, a little bit of kind of that history of Keurig. Uh, so, you know, it started off, there was a guy named John Sylvan, and um, he his college roommate, there's a guy named Peter Dragone. Uh, I'm maybe butchering his name, but that's what we're going to call him. Um, but Sylvan himself uh, was kind of a coined as like a tinkerer, and he just saw this problem of you make a whole pot, like you said a second uh-huh. ago, you make a whole pot of coffee at work, and you're the only coffee drinker. Mm-hmm. And so you've wasted a lot of coffee. And so he was like, okay, initially his thought was four offices mm-hmm. can we come up, can I come up with a system like a machine that would go into an office? And at this time, interestingly enough, because we don't even think about this now, um, and this is back in 1992, is, you know, he's thinking even like hook up to like a water supply line. Yeah, it was plugged into the plumbing. Yes. Initially. Yeah, um, that would make a single cup of coffee um, so that was kind of the idea. Yeah, and I think quality does come into it, though, because when you consider the first cup of coffee out of that big pot you make may be great, but two hours later, yeah. after it's had time to evaporate and sit on the and burn, burn yeah. yeah, then uh, then you got a problem. So this is more consistently one cup. that You get that first cup every time, I guess. You can see it that way. Yes. Yep, and so, you know, he kept tinkering and tinkering, Um he came up with, uh, if I'm remembering it right, Jay, the name Keurig because he looked up the word excellence in like Dutch, uh-huh. 
or something like that. Yeah, I tried to Google Translate that myself, and uh, there's some interesting definitions, but that is the story, yeah. Yes, so so he thought that was close enough. I have also seen some translations that were like proper or neat. Uh-huh. Um, Natty even. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that is in coffee. Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what that is, but... Um, and so, so anyway, uh, so that's where the actual name came from. And, you know, he got to a point where he needed investors. Right. Um, and then he also brought at some point, um, his college roommate, um, onto the scene to kind of help him. And so, um, there was, a, there were the two of them. There was the two of them. And then. After they got going, they realized they needed somebody else. The one thing I read said that it was for quality control. So they brought in a guy named uh, Dick Sweeney uh, pretty early on. So he's he's I saw part of an interview with him. He's considered a an early founder. Yeah. So, but yeah, Sylvan was the start. Dragon came in quickly, and then Sweeney came in shortly after that. And then they began when they I guess they saw enough hope that they realized they this is a good idea, but we need investors. And so they started talking to people, and I want to say that Green Mountain Coffee Roasters was one of the first investors, and they eventually became the owner. They eventually bought it out entirely, which I was kind of surprised because when you go to the Keurig website and start looking at coffee, there's a lot of Green Mountain stuff available. So I naturally assumed that Keurig came first and Green Mountain came later, but apparently it was the other way around. Yeah, so interesting as far as like side story for uh, Green Mountain Coffee Roasters is they were this tiny specialty coffee shop in Waitsfield, Vermont. And um, there was an entrepreneur that um, was at a nearby ski resort. His name was Bob Stiller. Okay. And so Bob went into the local coffee shop, loved the coffee. He's an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Somehow he figured out to basically just buy out the coffee company. And then he then took over Green Mountain Coffee Roasters. Okay. Because, because like, uh, coming from a coffee, um, like with Humble Coffee, doing, like, online and wholesale, um, I'm thinking when I'm looking at stuff, I'm like, how did a random – coffee roaster in the middle of Vermont decide to buy out Keurig early. Uh But this is, this is the backstory is like this guy was actually an entrepreneur. And so he had his hand in multiple pots. Saw the future. That's good. Yeah. Right. And, and he had the, you know, uh, obviously he had the money, you know, to be able to do that because uh, I'm highly betting, um, that, this was not his only like business venture. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of that side story coming into that merger of, you know, Green Mountain and Keurig. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was super interesting back in the day when I didn't know anything about coffee, when you started seeing K-Cups and Keurig come out, you know, you see it at Bed Bath & Beyond and like right. all these other places. Um, and they would, like, one of the main, you know, and, and initially very few, like, uh, companies was Green Mountain Coffee Roasters. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how did they, like, you know, hit it big like right. this? But they actually, I guess, owned. They've been walking alongside yeah. for a long time, longer time than I realized. Yes. And so um, it continued to grow, um, and eventually, um, you know, grew to the point that, you know, they got more um, investors and um, what do you call the, uh, well, I'm blanking on um, venture capitalists. Venture capitalists, yeah. yeah. venture capitalists. Um, and, you know, one unfortunate thing is um, at some point, and I'm blanking on the year, um, Sylvan who was basically the inventor um, of all of this, he did not G-Haul with the... Yeah, it was uh, pretty early. It was like 1995 when he decided to, to exit. Yes. 
And you want to tell all of our one on oneers like what his buyout was? Well, his, his buyout was uh, for his shares was fifty thousand dollars, right? And he was the inventor uh-huh. of this, and it is a multi billion billion dollar company. Yeah, and they say days. that Dragon left a little while after he did, but did not leave his did not lose his shares. <laughs> he left the company, but kept his. Yeah, which, Steak, was, so. which was like key. Good on him. Yeah. Stick with us. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and this is Coffee 101, brought to you by Humble Coffee. All right, let's say you are thinking about starting up a coffee shop or a coffee truck, or you're looking for coffee that you want to sell at your office, then look to Humble Coffee. We have wholesale that we would love to talk to you about, and uh, we can help you dial everything in. Um, And honestly, even if you don't go with us, but you just have questions about coffee, then, you know, hit us up. Uh, You can go through the contact form on the website, or you can DM us on social media. Um, Those are probably the two best ways to to reach us Um, we have other fancy ways too but there you go all right let's get back to the interview with jay on k-cups you know just kind of fast forwarding um through a lot of drama and and if if you have interesting things we can talk about them until i was going to say up to 2018 where keurig green mountain merged with Dr. Pepper uh, and that group. And so now it's like, I think it's like Keurig Dr. Pepper. Yes, Keurig Dr. Pepper, which I had yeah. no idea until yep. I started studying this. Yep, and so that was in 2018. That's a and, big deal. Yes, and that literal deal was worth $18.7 billion. Right. And, um, I think they have some cold drink stations. I haven't dug into that at all, but part of that was to – not just be coffee, but to get into the soft drink side of it a little bit too. But I haven't. Yeah, so I don't have a cold drink station at my house right now. And I don't even know if it's still around. They tried. It was like Keurig Cold, K O L D, at some point, and um, that was when like Coca Cola got into it pretty big because they were trying to figure out how they could partner with. Um, Keurig to be able to do pods that would give a home, like, you know, mm-hmm. Coca-Cola-based drink. Right. Super interesting because, and I've had some friends in the past that, you know, worked at Coca-Cola, and, you know, the, the big thing for them, or for any company where you're dealing with liquids, is like, like, how do you, how do you transfer stuff and minimize transfer, or like shipping costs? Mm-hmm. And so... That's why, you know, they're not going to transfer like a whole Coca-Cola. They're going to, you know, they're whoever is the end user is going to get a syrup. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's like a Coca-Cola fountain machine right. at your, you know, local sandwich shop. They're going to get a syrup, mm-hmm. um, and then it'll mix before it actually comes out. Um, so think about the same kind of concept, and, and it is enticing if you're Coca-Cola mm-hmm. um, because – you know, these things were like selling like gangbusters. And that's just another great example of how a huge company saw Keurig as something worth investing in or worth partnering with. Right. You know, crazy. I mean, it, and it all started with how can we make a single cup at the office? And then they realized, okay, we got the office thing sorted out, but most of the business is home brewery or home, right. home coffee drinkers. And so you have that, and they started to make it, you know, just like a lot of other companies with this kind of technology, they made it, li- uh, I won't say cheap, but at least affordable for a home person, somebody to put one in their home and to, in the pods. And so they were, that was a real game changer, I think, for the company. You know, one thing, when you look at um, the um, at-home and – K-Cups or Keurig, as well as Nespresso, is both companies tried to figure out how to move towards 
ultimately lowering the cost of the machine and then making the money off of the pods or the cups. Kind of like a printer. Yeah. And so and so that when they figured that out for both of those companies, that was also a game changer mm-hmm. um, because all of a sudden everybody could have one. Um, and so even now, like the, when you look at actually what goes into a Keurig machine or into a Nespresso machine, um, they're not making a lot of margin on, on those, even uh-huh. though they're mass produced. Um, they're making their margin on the pods. So, hey, I mean, and, it, and that's just a pretty common business model for that sort of thing. Like your computer printer, like I said, you know, you you pay nothing, probably no margin on the printer, but you're going to buy those cartridges because that's what fits, and you're going to keep buying the K cups and the pods because that's what fits. Yeah. Well, and speaking about buying the K cups and using them, um, you were telling me before we came on um, a little story about the inventor right. Sylvan. Tell us about that. In the process, in the early, early years, um, testing out, trying to figure out uh, what worked. and you know, Basically, he was just taste testing along the way, as you would. But he, the story goes, he collapsed at an ATM somewhere, and when they took him to the doctor of the hospital, they discovered that he was drinking 30 to 40 cups of coffee a day. Dang. <laughs> because of his, he's doing all the testing himself, basically. Wow. <laughs> Diagnosing with caffeine poisoning or something like that. So. That's like the first person I've ever heard of actually being diagnosed with, like, caffeine poisoning. Right. But that's like, I mean, that's a lot. It had to be, I would think. You know. You get wired pretty quick, but to be <laughs> yeah. collapsing, that's something else. I know a guy um, in the coffee industry who, he does a lot of judging for competitions and he'll drink a lot of coffee and I've never seen anybody drink as much coffee as he does. But, um, yeah, that's a lot. Um, you know, if I have honestly for me specifically, if I have, we'll say three cups of coffee, 12 ounce cups of coffee a day, like I'd be, I'd be wide slap open, you know, as far as like, you know, even if like, a lot of times that might be, and that would be a max for me, and that might be a couple in the morning and one right after lunch. But that would be, I'd be wide open. Yeah, once after lunch, I I kind of try to cool it unless I, unless I have, I, and I I will enjoy a decaf at night if yeah. I'm having a piece of pie or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, but but I, yeah, as far as the the caffeinated part of my day, that's early and and brief. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about the. Um, the cup itself, um, Keurig or K cups, and I think honestly, rightfully so, they you know they don't get a great name for their like the quality, you know, of the coffee. And there's a couple of reasons we could go into for that. Yeah, and I there are I couldn't find a one name when I actually looked it up. I found multiple, but apparently there's companies now that will ship directly to you where it's fresher. And I think that's just like any other uh, specialty coffee. If it sits on the shelf for months and months, then you lose some some oomph. But uh, for freshness, for sure. But what they're advertising is that they're fresh roasting it, putting it in the pods, and shipping it right to you, so you get a fresher, better quality product. But I haven't had the opportunity to test that out. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I mean, theoretically, yes, it is fresher. Um, you know, would it taste better? It probably not because the um, you know, once you grind, pretty quickly it's gonna stale, and um, you know, technically they wouldn't even be able to because of the degassing, mm-hmm. you know, from the actual grinding process, um, they wouldn't even be able to put it in those pods without it like. Eventually, it would pop the the tin oh, right. seal because of the degassing. So you got to let that happen first, huh? Yeah. Okay. So you have to let it degas, which which by that time it's it's you know probably about right. the same level as a ground coffee that's you know two weeks old. There's no degassing valve in those little right. pods, right? Like and a bag it, would have. Yes, if they put one in, the the price. Is yeah, would you're right back where you started with it? Yeah, it was yeah. exorbitant. Would, you know, yeah, it would be absorb, 
exorbitant. <laughs> exorbitant. I was thinking absorb. It's not absorb. Um, yeah, and so um, there's an alternative to that though. Yeah, which is what I do a lot of times. Is I'll buy the specialty coffee, mm-hmm. grind it myself, and put it in. I think they call it a my K cup pod, where you put your own coffee in, yeah, and slide it into that, and, and you can make a a little bit better cup that way. Yeah. Yeah, and even with that, and I have tried, well, actually, to be brutally honest, I have not tried that. I did buy one of those from the company, reusable K-Cups, but I guess I guess I got it for the wrong machine. I guess I got a new machine, and it just straight up didn't fit. You have to be careful. They do have one that they call the Universal, though, that has all kinds of pot parts that you can take apart. And take off. Depending on what part is on there and not on there, it'll fit in different yeah different machines but yeah i bought some really cheap one the other day that was not from the company and it fits my machine at home but didn't fit at work which is really why i wanted it so mm. well yeah so for the 101ers out there if you wanted to up your k-cup game um then yes you could find a reusable um little pod that works for you and then you could get some um specialty coffee from whoever you wanted to get it from. Um, and, and then and Jay and I would recommend, at, if you're doing that, to to grind right before. Right. And, and one big point, and you and I were talking about this before the show, is you need, if, if you're going to get the extraction right for the amount of time that it's actually having water go through, you need a pretty fine grind. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just use grind like you're going to use for a pour-over, and you certainly can't use a grind like you're going to use for, like, a French press. Right. Yeah, it's got to be a finer grind. And what I did, I just popped open a – we had an excess of a certain pot at home, and I just broke one open and put it between my fingers and said, all right, this is what I'm looking for, and just adjusted my grinder to to get me to that point. Yeah. It takes a little tweaking, and everybody's grinder's different, but uh, for the most part, we can – you can find it. Right. You know, and the other side, on the opposite side, as far as um, thinking goes, is you have to watch and see, like you may even, this is getting a little geeky, but you may want to time um, what a usual pod takes for it to finish, and then when you get that fine grind, time that too, because um, obviously if it goes through way faster, then you need a finer grind to slow it down. If it's taken forever or even, let's say, super worst case, like something like, you know, busts or depressurizes in there because the pressure's too high, then obviously you've got your grind too fine. But I'll also say for Keurig and for Nespresso, they have engineered both of those machines um, through the years to the point now that they have safety factors in place that will shut the system down if the pressure gets too high i think keurig in their history they had one particular machine that had some trouble with that so they pulled it pulled it and went back and and put that that release valve or gauge or whatever it is that'll that'll shut it down this time yeah yeah and so okay so so it it doesn't make it doesn't make the best cup of coffee um in the world but again if you like the cup then thumbs up. And so that's that's the big thing, you know, we'll say multiple times. Um, but if you're comparing it to, you know, a really dialed-in specialty cup of coffee, um, it's just not going to get there. Uh, and a, a couple of big reasons. One depends on the actual beans you're using. So if you had a reusable uh, pod, then you could – take that out of the equation as far as an issue um the other thing honestly is uh and i'll i'm going to crunch through here in a second some numbers with stuff i came up with but um is the temperature the temperature does not get up to um that usual 195 to 205 okay you know that my machine has i think a setting where you can adjust the temperature okay but that's my home machine, which is a better, a higher level than what I have at work. But supposedly, I can make that adjustment. Yeah. So that's another something I need to look at at home. 
check it out and see, because I tried a couple of different ways on mine to see if I could get the temperature up um, and like having it like the hot or whatever for like mine, it only increased it like maybe six degrees. Um, and so, so let me just throw some stuff out. Um, if so on, cause like I said, I, I bought a Keurig to kind of research and do some of the stuff. And yes, they do have variations in the actual, you know, machines and the bells and whistles. Um, the temperature I got out was about 162 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, wow, that's pretty low. Yeah, for the extraction. Um, you could make it hotter by starting with hot water, um, you know, in your reservoir if you wanted to. Um, so you could you could help there even to the point if you wanted to get super fancy. But at this point, you're thinking, okay, well, why don't I just do a pour over? Right. <laughs> but, but you could have your gooseneck kettle. You could get it up to the exact temp that you want and then put it in the reservoir and then mm. run it. And technically that would take care of it. Um, you know, and the problem with stuff like this versus like a mocha master is, um, at, as far as your temperature goes is, is those like heating elements, the like to get the right one to get that temperature up fast. It's just expensive. You're right. And that's probably the most expensive thing in the entire like machine. Um, and so that's just something to think about. Okay. So when I measured, I, I looked at a couple of different pods uh, and, and weighed out how much coffee was in them. And okay. it, it did vary a little bit. Um, but basically I got anywhere from about 10.8 grams per pod to about 12.4 grams per pod. And this was... This was um, pod-specific differences. Um, and so, like, it wasn't like, it, like let's say Starbucks. If you had Starbucks, they were all the exact, like, it was 12.4 grams okay. in there. But if you had a different one, like, let's say Dunkin' Donuts, it might be a different weight in there. So that's something to have an awareness of. But what I would say, this this is what kind of ballpark would help people i think is if you were to weigh the pod with the coffee in it like undisturbed then ballpark plus or minus about 0.5 grams um come off of that three grams and that's how much ground coffee you have in that pod if you know, and this is one of this is where we're getting back to like our wheelhouse as far as the stuff that y'all know at home because you've been listening to Coffee 101. If you know how many grams of ground coffee you have, you can then calculate how much water you need to get like a 1 to 16, you know, coffee to water mm-hmm. ratio or, or whatever it is that you prefer. And is that an adjustment you can make on the cure? Cause I haven't tried that. So for me, yes. So for my specific one, um, what's in, in the reservoir for me, cause it's a smaller Keurig mm-hmm. is it pulls through everything in that reservoir. So like I can weigh out if I know that it's, you know, we'll say 12.4 grams um, then I can weigh out about 200 grams of water, put that in the reservoir, and then it'll pull through all of that. Okay. But now some of them, it'll say on there, it'll say, like you get to choose between 6-ounce, 8-ounce, 10-ounce, 12-ounce. Right, yeah, there's cup size for sure. Right, and you have, uh, if I'm not badly mistaken, I think there's 30 grams in a ounce. That's about right. Yeah. And so, so you can use that if you have like a preset to then ballpark what's going to be the right ratio because, because the pod is always going to be the same, you know, size. And so, um, a one to 16 to one to 18 coffee to water ratio is about where, where us in the coffee industry would say you get the optimal taste out of a cup. Right, I've heard you say that before. Yeah. 
So if I you need know to fiddle the, more, then I need to fiddle with mine and see. Yeah. So if you know, if you just weigh the pod and subtract three grams, that's ballpark how much ground coffee is in there. And then if you know that, then you can figure out um, how much water is the optimal. And so if you're looking at, and a friend, uh, a good friend in specialty coffee who owns a coffee shop near Chicago, he and I were talking about it the other day. Um, it's um, Matt with Starved Rock. Uh, coffee roasters, um, and we'll put a link, you know, for them in the show notes too. Um, but, but you know, he was like, what do you think about K-Cups? He didn't know that we had this episode coming up. And I said, honestly, I said, you know what? Like what we try to do at Humble is we try to meet the customer where they are, uh, get them involved in coffee, um, and give them the best product we can for the scenario Mm -hmm. and so i personally you know well we'll get into the sustainability and environmental stuff in a second but for this i'm not as opposed to the k cup if you can like present like like we can do stuff like this like we can say here's the optimal way to make it or like trick the system Mm -hmm. you know as far as making the, the best cup um and do it with, like, the best coffee that you can find. Right. And I think sounds like what you're saying, like anything else in life, you, you, it may take a little bit of extra work in the beginning to dial in yeah. the water and the pods and the coffee that you want. But once you kind of learn that, then you go back to, okay, well, this is now more automatic. And if I am in a hurry to go to work and I need to use them, the Keurig, then, then I know what to do or I've already done it. Right. I've already dialed it in and know what to how to get the the best cup I can get out of this. Right. You know, and, and one interesting thing that I was surprised about is I checked the TDS total dissolved solids okay. on this cup or on a K cup. Um and optimal again in specialty coffee we would say is total dissolved solid percentage of about one point two five to one point three five um as far as what you get in the cup. Uh and once I dialed the cup in for that 1 to 16 ratio, um, even though it was at a lower temperature for extraction, the flip side being much finer grind, so you get the extraction quicker, um, it came out at 1.30. Okay. Which was super interesting. Okay. You know, because like, right in there. yeah, it was right in there, and I was I was not expecting that. I was thinking it was going to, you know, be like way off. And 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 I was I was ready to scoff, but like you know, it it scoffed at me. So I I think that's an interesting way to look at optimizing, like like doing the best with what you can for like a a Keurig or a K cup. Right, and I, at one point too, when you get to the idea of you know you like what you like, with my wife for example, she is going to put the sugar and the creamer or the sweetener right. and the creamer. And so that's why she uses a really dark, bold roast, something that can handle the creamer. So for her, it's not going to make any difference. If I if I gave her a K on my K cup full of the best quality specialty coffee I could get, she's still going to put the sweetener and the creamer in it. It's really not going to make that much difference for her. Right. For somebody like you and me that's, you know, trying to figure out the tasting notes and that kind of, you know, at that level – um, it can make a difference, but for somebody that is gonna put it in anyway, yeah, it's gonna dial in that uh, that creamer. Then yeah. um, you know this is perfectly fine. Yeah, and I think you know one takeaway for me would be that if you're gonna do it anyway, um, if you can use some of what we said here to just change your protocol up a little bit so that you do figure out what that right ratio is for the machine you have mm-hmm. um, or close to it, then once you have that protocol in place, you're not doing any extra work in the morning, but you're using the same stuff and, and coming out with a better tasting product. Right. And maybe even put something like third wave water in your reservoir could make a difference there as well. There you go. So. There you go. Uh, well, let's let's finish it out by talking about um, 
sustainability and environmental impact a little bit. That's probably the biggest issue that some folks have with the whole idea of the billion K cups floating around <laughs> right. the world. Yes, and and honestly, I'm I'm with them. I'm like, uh, um, that's probably the biggest thing that bothers me about uh, K cups is the environmental impact um, because it's the most inefficient use of packaging when it comes to recyclability, sustainability, all that kind of stuff for any coffee thing we have. Makes sense. Like, period. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so a, a lot of it goes, you know, in landfills. Um, uh, you and I talked about before the show, I mean, before we started this episode, is uh, um, the way that it is now, the strength of the plastic that they need to be able to um, get, we'll say, the pressure right, that they want. Right, sustain that pressure. Um, is not an easily recyclable plastic. Right. And they may say it's recyclable if your city or if whatever has, you know, mm-hmm. the ability to do that. And if you're willing to take the aluminum lid off and take the paper filter out, if you've ever dug inside one, it's kind of an interesting thing to see inside. Yeah. Um, but that all has to be separated to get the plastic by itself. So that's a whole nother uh, degree of difficulty to the dive. Are you going to, are you going to take that time to do it? Because you're, you're using this because it's convenient. Right. So if the recycling part isn't convenient, you know, that, that plays a role, I think. You know, we'll, um, and ingenuity is going to rear its ugly head at some point. And, and I think, um, Keurig has definitely had, over the years, enough pressure on it um, from environmentalists and conservationists that um, I, I would hope ingenuity would rear its ugly head and that we would see some better ways that are more sustainable, um, you know, to make this. And you using know, the My K Cup is a part of that. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, you can do that. Um, another thing I thought about, and we'll talk about it a little bit in uh, next week's episode. It's like, you know, Nespresso uses, I think it's aluminum, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's a lot easy, more easily, you know, recycled. More commonly as well. You know, yeah. Easy to find a place to drop it. That's right. Um, okay, well, that's all I got for K-Cups. You got any final thoughts? Well, I think the the other thing kind of goes along with what we've said, but it's kind of a, on the, on the pro side, it's, uh, you know, passive versus pour over you could say um you can you can pop that cup in and be about doing something else right kind of like passive income and passive other things it can it can be brewing while you're doing something else to get ready to go in the morning or whatever whereas if you want to take the time to do a pour over that's very intensive you're not walking away from that or you're you're missing your timing right um so that to me that is probably the one thing that um it makes it worth having one. Yeah. Cool. Well, tell me, let's talk about, um, you do a couple of podcasts or your co-host on a couple of podcasts. Co-host. Tell us about those. Well, the, it started with uh, a couple of guys. With, it's called Guys of a Certain Age. Okay. And if you're into geek culture, you know, anything that starts with a star, Star Wars, Star Trek, <laughs> or whatever, yeah. uh, Marvel, all the superhero stuff, we just kind of geek out on that kind of stuff uh, every week. And then... We've been doing that a while, and my son comes along and says, hey, let's do a podcast too. Yeah. But he knew my love for all things food, so he said, let's do something about food. And so we came up with Vittles and Vitals. Okay. So we'll talk about a um, some sort of issue or some sort of topic uh, for the first half, and then the second half we'll talk about how food ties into that topic because yeah. food ties into everything. Yeah, it does. Um, and. For one on ers you know, and Jay is new to the show here. What y'all don't know is is he's he's definitely a foodie. Uh, and um, I tell you, one I listen to, I've listened to the Vittles and Vitals. I think just about every episode. Um, and I also like Gastropod. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's another one I think as far as like a foodie one. That's that's pretty fun. There's a lot out there. There are the the one thing, even though gastropod is very popular. One thing, as a 
that I guess I don't like about it is um, you can tell that it's like, I mean, down to the word, it is choreographed. Uh-huh. And <laughs> Ours is not. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I like just the conversational stuff. But, um, yeah, so one-on-oneers, um, you're already podcast listeners, so um, if you like anything about food, go check out Vittles and Vitals. And um, if you're a geek in other areas besides <laughs> coffee, then check out Guys of a Certain Age. And we'll put a link um, to those in the show notes, but you could just look them up. And if you don't know how to spell Vittles, it's V-I-T-T-L-E-S, and then should come up past that. It's all in all the appropriate platforms. Yes. All right. Well, uh, it's great to have you on the show today. A lot of fun. Okay, now we know everything we need to know about K-Cups, and so do all the 101ers out there, which is great, right? Yeah. And so if you had to pick today between, let's say you only have a K-Cup machine in your hotel room, but you don't have any Oreos. Oh, no Oreos. Okay. Um, and you had to pick Might between be a, deal breaker. a Dunkin' Donuts K cup, okay. which is a medium roast, okay. or a Starbucks, which is kind of a darker roast. Which one would you pick? Hmm, that's a good question. Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks? Mm-hmm. I want to. S- mm, if it's the morning. Starbucks. Okay. But if I were to make it any other time of the day, Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. I think I'd probably, I've, of course, I've tried them both, like we talked about in the show. Sometimes I will, um, I'll, I'll, I'll do a cake up. It's not my favorite, but, um, I'm probably more Dunkin' Donuts as far as if I had to pick between the two. Um, but now the good thing is, uh, if you do have a cake up at home or in the office, you at least have some idea of what could make right. a better cup uh, for that. And like we said several times in the show, and Katie and I said before, at the end of the day, if you like your cup of coffee, then thumbs up. We're happy. Thumbs up. We're happy that you are part of our coffee world. Yes. Uh, we're happy that you're listening to Coffee 101. And that's all we got for you today. That's it. All right, listen up. We want y'all to do two things. We want you to rate the show and give us some kind of fancy, you know, one-liner or five-sentence mm. thing yeah. that says something about what we're doing here. And we want you to tell a Good friend. Good or bad. Yeah, we, We'll take sure. constructive criticism. Yeah. Um, and tell a friend. You don't even have to tell, like, three friends. You can just tell one. Mm-hmm. Um, one friend that likes coffee, so... Until next time, I'm Kenneth Thomas and Katie, and this is Coffee 101.